Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to the show. Delighted to be back with you again today. We're going to take a look at one investor's journey from pharma chief compliance officer turned multifamily real estate entrepreneur. After 20 years of corporate life as a corporate transitional lawyer on Wall Street and chief compliance officer in the pharmaceutical industry, Clive Davis made an entrepreneurial pivot full-time into the world of commercial real estate, where he is currently focused on acquisition, ownership, and operation of large-scale multifamily communities and is a general partner with over 70 million of assets under management. Clive, share with us an experience that helped you to be who you are today. So one that comes to mind takes me back to Clive, I think 11-year-old. And so the story is as follows. So at the end of the school term, each student was given a plant that was in a yogurt container. And so we were given the assignment to take home the plant and we were going to we were supposed to return with it at the beginning of the new school year. And so each child was given that, taking it home. And our understanding was that, you know, we were supposed to take care of the plant and hopefully the plant would grow and blossom and we'd come back and we'd have discussion on it. So I took my plant home. However, I left my plant in the yogurt container as opposed to repotting it into a proper plant that would allow it to blossom and, and bloom. While I watered it and, and thought I put it in good light, apparently I had not. The first day of school of the new school year, I walked into the classroom thinking, I'm the man, my plant has grown and wait till they get a hold of this. And I walked into the classroom and I saw pretty much everyone else's plant had been repotted was two to three times bigger than my plant, which was still in the yogurt container. And so the lesson for me that I, I took away from that, that story, from that incident, was that regardless of how much you are watering, providing light, talking to your plant, there's always someone else that is, is watering, uh, providing more light and nurturing their plant. And so the lesson for me really was it's not just about you. It's about what everyone else is doing. And what's good enough for you may not be good enough for the marketplace. And so it, it was somewhat humbling in that, again, I walked into the classroom thinking, I'm the man, and left there thinking, wow, I really didn't do a good job on this assignment. So that's the one I'd share with you a little, little bit off the beaten path, Alan. Clive, thanks for sharing that. You know, there's another lesson that I take from that. And that is really the importance of mentorship. And obviously, the other children in the class had people around them who had more familiarity with plant culture and gardening and were able to guide their children because I can pretty well bet that the other children in the class didn't really know any more about that than you do, but they had someone in their life who was able to guide them and tell them, you know, you're going to need to repot this, you're going to need to put it 
inner window that gets more light and so on and so forth. So mentors are are always crucially important to us. No, you're you're exactly right. And while we considered our my mother to have a green thumb, this was a period of of my life where my mother was actually in the United States. She had relocated to the United States in pursuit of the American dream and the family were to follow at some point thereafter. Mm-hmm. So this was a time where I didn't have my mother in the house who was the green thumb in the in the household. Yeah, I totally agree with you. A little bit of direction, a little bit of mentoring uh, would have turned on that light switch for me. And, and, and I would think that my plant would have done much better. I'm sure it would have, yes. And I'm sure that was a very critical time in your life when, in many other ways, it would have been Absolutely. nice to have had your mother with you. Well, Clive, you were 20 years in the corporate world and growing and developing in many different ways and means before you became a full-time real estate investor. Take us through your journey, Clive. Yeah, so my professional journey started out out of law school. I, I started out as a corporate transactional lawyer servicing Wall Street at, with a Wall Street-based uh, firm. And I ultimately assigned as a capital markets attorney. So I was really doing debt and equity offerings. And then after several years, I transitioned to being in-house counsel, initially with Pfizer, who's in the news for all the right reasons these days. Um, So I started out as a lawyer with them in their in-house legal department. They ended up actually relocating me to Atlanta and I supported their sales uh, division for the sa- their southeastern business at the time, and so was really the 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 sole lawyer in the building advising their sales leadership team. Uh, after that, I went on to join another pharmaceutical company and became their chief compliance officer for their Americas business. This was a, a Brussels-based headquartered company, and their U.S. operations were based here in Atlanta. So in total, I did nine years with them and all in all, a 20-year corporate run. At the end of 2016 is when I decided that if I was going to pursue this entrepreneurial itch and this this passion for real estate, uh, I needed to uh, take a leap of faith. And so I walked away from corporate life at the end of 2016 and have been focused on real estate full-time since that point. Clive, very interesting. If you would take us through the transition from uh, corporate life to entrepreneurial endeavors. And how did you make that transition? Well, the first thing you've got to wrap your head around that I had to wrap my head around is, is really just venturing outside of my comfort zone. After you've been doing something for 20 years, especially in the latter part of my career, things are fairly straightforward. There's not a lot of surprises. The growth trajectory is, is probably flatter than it was in, in my 20s and 30s. You know, I've got a team that I've built and largely I'm overseeing a team at this point. So to go from that world of, of, of comfort where it's very easy for complacency to set in and then making the transition into the entrepreneurial world where you are a sole operator, there is no team, there is no assistance, you're rolling your sleeves up and you're doing everything yourself. And furthermore, you're doing it in unfamiliar territory. And so you're learning for sure because uh, you're venturing into a new, new space and then you're doing it with less, kind of a, uh, less of a supporting cast than you would typically appreciate in the, in the corporate world. So for me, the transition was really 
delving into the education. And so I created what I call a self-directed real estate MBA. <laughs> and I totally made that up. But for me, what that consisted of was really getting educated about the space that I wanted to venture in and ultimately become a sponsor of deals. And so that education for me took the form of attending multifamily conferences for, for networking and educational purposes. Uh, while, throughout my 20 years in corporate America, I don't think I attended a conference that wasn't related to whatever my particular role or job was at that time. And it was, the bill was being footed by the company that I was working for. So this is the first time where I'm pursuing something that is specifically my personal interest. And now I'm attending conferences and I'm getting on a plane and I'm flying somewhere to be exposed to multifamily education and multifamily networking opportunities. So that was one component. Another component was uh, starting to listen to podcasts. Prior to 2017, I, I don't recall ever having listened to a podcast. Come 2017, I was probably listening to two to three podcasts a day in rotation and, and not just podcasts, but commercial real estate or multifamily specific podcasts. So, so that was part of my journey and exposure to the world that I was stepping into. Another piece of it was saying, look, if I am going to be successful, I need to surround myself with people who are doing the thing that I want to do. And so that's when I started researching apartment investing mentoring programs. So I looked at a number of them and ultimately I decided on one, which enabled me to really just immerse myself in a setting where I was surrounded by literally hundreds of students who believed in multifamily investment, were both passively and actively invested in multifamily. And so that was a big part of my journey. And then the last piece was actively investing in the types of deals that I aspired to do, whether that was 12 months, 18 months, 24 months down the line, I uh, basically took all of my legacy 401k funds uh, out, of this, out of the market uh, from where they were. I, I moved them into a self-directed IRA, which gave me 100% control of my retirement funds. And I started deploying those into deals primarily multifamily existing properties, but also some ground up development. I diversified geographically across the country. So I ended up investing in probably nine or 10 deals before I ultimately landed my first big deal. So all of those things kind of combined together to be kind of that self-directed real estate MBA that uh, I coined. And you know that really set me up to really accelerate my journey towards large-scale multifamily investing. Well, interesting trajectory, Clive, from education, networking, mentoring, um, and then uh, investing, first of all, as a, a limited partner, uh, at getting your feet on the ground with that, and then moving into finally into active investing in sponsorship of your uh, own programs. What have you found to be, I would guess, most rewarding about that transition from corporate world to a successful entrepreneur? Yeah. So without question, and I put out a post a week or so ago, and the post focused on time freedom. And so in the post, I, I, I say that one of the 
the best things about me stepping away from, from the corporate world that I had lived in for 20 years or so was that I was finally able to buy back my time and give myself time freedom in a way that I hadn't had the 20 years prior. So I was in a scenario where I was well compensated, but also the demands on my time uh, were substantial. And literally, I did not own my time. Uh, someone else did, and they paid me for it. And so time freedom is the biggest thing that I've been able to, ch to achieve and the most rewarding thing. And in that same post, I talked about the fact that I had just returned from the World Athletics Championship in, in Eugene, Oregon. You know, I was there for nine days. I think this was one of the first times where I planned a getaway, a vacation, attended an event. There was no one really for me to run it by or, or clear calendars or anything. It was really my wife and I just decided we're doing this. And uh, we were blessed to be joined by two couples that we hold dear to us. And uh, we had a phenomenal time. And there was no accountability to anyone but ourselves. We're gonna, a couple of follow-up questions on time freedom. Clive, before we go into that, tell us what you have to offer our enlightened investors and how it is they can take advantage of that. Yeah. So from time to time, we bring to our network investment opportunities to invest in deals that we have secured. And so what we encourage folks to do is that if they have an interest in investing in large-scale multifamily, we currently are focused on the Atlanta metropolitan market. So that tends to be where the deals are that, that I'm focused on. Um, and, and as you know, that's, that's where my boots are on the ground. And so from time to time, we will bring those opportunities. And if anyone has interest in, in learning more about those opportunities, they can certainly contact us. And I think, Alan, you'll, you'll be providing contact information. But parkroyalcapital.com is my website. And folks are welcome to go there and, and stay tuned to what we're up to, as well as learn a little bit more about my background and, and recent deals that we've done. And enlightened investors, as Clive mentioned, that information will be available in the show notes. And uh, enlightened investors, when you go to the show notes, please leave us a comment, subscribe. And if you have any questions, drop in your questions at that point as well. Clive, let's go back to the time freedom question here. Of course, in the corporate world, as you mentioned, you didn't own your own time. It was a demanding job that uh, you were in. And your employers actually owned your time. And yet, as an entrepreneur, there are a never-ending list of obligations and tasks and responsibilities within that. So how did you go about finding your way and your means to time freedom with all of the entrepreneurial obligations? Yeah. So I think the, the key difference between the commitments and obligations as an entrepreneur, as opposed to being a, a corporate citizen, is that you effectively dictate your own time and you manage your time in a way that's best suited to what it is that you want to be doing. And so you're absolutely right. It's, it's not that uh, commitments and obligations disappear. <laughs> it quite, you know, quite the opposite especially when you get into the world of becoming a fiduciary with fiduciary responsibilities to investors, you better make sure that you are doing all of the things that are necessary to manage the investments where folks have put their confidence in you and have 
giving you their dollars to invest in the projects that we do. You know, asset management, which is one of the things that that I'm primarily focused on, especially after we've closed on a property. You know, that's something that you know I'm. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not focused on that. But no two days are are like. Um, and again. Uh, no one is dictating what I need to do, when I need to do it. I have pretty much uh, full control over that. And obviously, I'm working with a view to doing uh, what I think is uh, best for the investments that I oversee and ultimately best for the investors who decide to put their faith in us and invest alongside us. Well, Clive, you, you mentioned asset management is one of your primary uh, responsibilities. That definition of asset management, uh, I- I think it kind of varies from investor to investor. Clive, what is it in terms of asset management that you are primarily focused on? Just kind of give us a rundown of a week as an asset manager. Yeah. So for me, the way I look at asset management is for the property types and the communities that we acquire, we are turning those properties over to a third-party professional property manager uh, we have an on-site team that is going to handle the day-to-day responsibilities. So as an asset manager, my role is to, one, to oversee the third-party property manager who we've given this business to, and most importantly, to ensure that the business plan that we had in mind when we acquired and took over this property, that business plan needs to be effectively implemented. And so it's the asset manager's role to ensure that that business plan is being effectively implemented. And if it's not, to make the adjustments that are necessary to ensure success. And so uh, there's an oversight role in terms of the relationship with the third-party property manager, and there's actual kind of strategic implementation of the business plan. So a typical week, while the (laughs) There are a few typical weeks. So for example, today, I and my team will be chatting with a designer who we've engaged to help us uh, with the redesign of the exterior of the leasing office, the clubhouse, and and some some other exterior amenities, monument signs, and rebranding. So we'll be meeting to take a look at the ideas that they've come up with and to run by us. Other times, I'm meeting with general contractors other times I'm meeting with uh, directly with our property manager to talk about the financials and where we are. Every week we have weekly calls where I and my team get on the call with the on-site property manager as well as a representative from the, the head office, if you will, for the property management company. And we're going through key performance indicators, looking at those KPIs that we think are, are most closely associated with moving the needle in the direction it needs to be moved. And you know where there are questions, you know we, we're posing those questions and, and getting answers. And uh, at the end of the day, ensuring that the investment is moving in the direction that we need it to move. And again, if if for whatever reason it's not, make sure that we we steer it back on the course. Very comprehensive in terms of overall responsibilities. Very very different than certainly the kinds of activities and responsibilities that you had been used to the first 20 years uh, in corporate life there. Clive, one reason you've gone into real estate investing is for that aspect of being able to develop generational wealth. How is it that real estate investing becomes a good tool for developing that wealth? 
Yeah. And so first, I'll kind of share my definition of generational wealth. So uh, it's one of those terms that's thrown around a lot and, and has a lot of different meaning depending on who's using it. So for me, generational wealth is where my not yet conceived grandchildren will be impacted by what it is, the foundation that I'm able to leave them. So hopefully I'll be blessed to, to be here to see them uh, benefit from it. But whether I am or not, I will have created a foundation that will impact and shape their lives. Um, and so that's, that's what I talk about. That's what I mean, rather, when I talk about generational wealth. Um, and so for me, I think, and you've probably heard this, there's a statistic out there or there's a quote out there that says something along the lines of uh, 90% of, of US millionaires either made their money in real estate or their money sits in real estate, commercial real estate or, or, or of various kinds. And so this isn't something that Clive came up with. There's no need to recreate the will. There are breadcrumbs that, that point to the fact that real estate is one of the most direct ways for you to create the generational wealth that I'm, I'm referring to. For me, the lane that I've chosen is multifamily. Commercial real estate is a broad umbrella that has many uh, different asset types underneath it. Uh, for me, multifamily is the one that I've, I've chosen to pursue. The one thing I tell people about generational wealth and kind of this entrepreneurial journey is that regardless of when you're in corporate life, regardless of how well compensated you are, you cannot pass on a high income to your ears. The things that you can pass on to your ears are appreciating assets like real estate uh, that are going to continue to grow in value and generate cash flow depending on, on the type of investment. So I, so I caution my friends and, and colleagues who remain in corporate America that it's good to make a high income, but you've got to be thinking about how you can transition or leverage that high income into assets that can be the foundation for building and creating generational wealth. And so while I took a step back in terms of kind of my immediate income when I started down this, this real estate journey, and I tell people that for the first time, probably since I was 18 years old, when I left corporate America, I had more money going out of my household on a monthly basis than I had coming in. And so that certainly required an adjustment, and, and that was part of getting out of my comfort zone. Um, but I tell people that I took a step back in order to take a leap forward, and that leap forward is in the direction of engaging in investment activities that are going to lead to uh, the creation of generational wealth. And so, you know, when you are involved in these transactions as a sponsor, you, you have a firsthand opportunity to see your net worth grow uh, with each transaction that you're a part of. Um, and so there's an acceleration that you see once you start to have some momentum, once you start to acquire more assets, once you are able to go full cycle on those assets, whether they be passive or active. And, and I have involvement in both. I mentioned to you, I, I, I've been involved in a number of passive investment opportunities that I've been able to see go full cycle. So all of those things have personally contributed to me being further along that journey, that pathway to creating generational wealth. And again, for me, it's not only impacting my children, uh, but impacting my not yet conceived grandchildren. Clive, just briefly, let's touch on this topic of representation in commercial uh, real estate. And what do you mean by representation? 
Yeah. So simply, so this past weekend, I, I attended a conference in New York that happened to be at my alma mater, Columbia University, but it was hosted by the Diversity and Commercial Real Estate group. And the idea uh, behind the, the formation of that group and their mission and their, their goals really are to increase the representation of uh, Black and Brown folks in the commercial real estate space. So I've seen a statistic that says that less than 2% of the, the roles within commercial real estate are held by African-Americans, as one example. And so obviously, that is substantially lower than their respective population. Uh, so disproportionately underrepresented in commercial real estate. So I just got done talking about the importance and the connection between creating generational wealth and commercial real estate. So if you, if you sit that to one side and then you say, well, African-Americans are underrepresented by 11 or 12 percentage points uh, in the commercial real estate space, there's a huge disconnect there and there's real implications to that underrepresentation. And so for me, that's why representation matters. It's important that we participate in the, the American dream and we participate in, in the benefits of commercial real estate as well as any other group. And, and so for me, I spend a good amount of time making myself available, hopefully as, as somewhat of a model or role model of what can be accomplished uh, within the commercial real estate space. Again, my lane is multifamily, but there's no doubt in my mind that representation is important. And unless groups can see a reflection of themselves in people who are achieving a certain level of success, it's going to be difficult for them to replicate that or even think that it's possible for them. And so for all of those reasons, it's critical that, that all groups have representation, healthy representation, especially in areas of our society and our economy that are going to aid in kind of uplifting those communities. Well, I've thanked you for sharing that. Enlightened investors, thank you for being with us today. I look forward to being with you in our next episode. Be sure to subscribe, be sure to leave a comment, and if you have any questions, drop those in the comments as well. Until next time, be well and prosper. Bye, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Alan. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.